I want to spend just a minute in Malachi. For those of you who have not studied it, it's composed around a series of rhetorical questions and sarcastic answers. Let me pull it up here. So in verse 2, I have loved you, says the Lord, but you say, how have you loved us? And then the answer is, is not Esau's Jacob's brother? And that's, of course, why that's the Torah portion is because you have Jacob and Esau and the fact that God prefers Jacob instead of Esau. But this series of questions is God says something and then you get this sarcastic response back from the priests. The book is aimed at the priests and the leadership of Israel. This is after the exile. They've come back from Babylon. And the problem that they're dealing with is the leadership of Israel has become cynical, is I guess the way to describe it. So they are doing all of the stuff that the Torah says to do, but they're very much doing it in a spirit of, all right, the people expect us to do this, so we're going to do it. And it's simply something that they are doing so that they can maintain their position in society. So you got all these rubes out there in, in, in the hinterland, and they expect sacrifices, and they expect all this kind of stuff. So we're going to do it because that's what we're expected to do with our position in society. But we don't really believe it. Now, I will gently suggest that there are a whole lot of clergy in the church today that are going through the motions and they don't really believe it. And in lots of denominations, that cynicism has leaked over into their doctrine. So you now have churches that are ordaining homosexuals and all sorts of stuff. And that's a result of a church that has gone a long time with the leadership being cynical. And that cynicism has finally bled out into the open. And I will suggest that the problem they have, you have two extremes in Israel. Extreme number one is you have God in the middle of the camp with a pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud. And there is no question whatsoever in anybody's mind that God is and that he's paying attention. The other extreme is, after the Babylonian exile, when you don't even have the Shekinah in the temple anymore. So you have these two extremes, where God is right up there in your face, and God is remote. And each one of those situations presents you with a different problem. Because if, if either one of those situations was good or ideal or perfect, God would do that. But neither one of them is. So with God in the middle of the camp, where when things get too out of hand, fire falls down around the camp and people start getting crisped, your service to God is out of terror. It's sort of like having a policeman driving around with you in your car with a ticket book. And you are not at all tempted to run a stop sign. You are not at all tempted to go five miles an hour over the speed limit because you've got this cop right there in your car. So you're well behaved. The flip side of that is if the cop isn't in your car and the police budget has been cut so that your chances of actually getting ticketed are really remote, 
Then you sort of, you know, I'm going five or ten miles over the speed limit and I'm doing rolling stops to the stop signs and I'm doing all this stuff. So you have the two extremes. If the cop is always in your car, you really don't have an opportunity to exercise free will. If the cop is never there, you tend then, left to your own devices, do what is in your own heart as opposed to what you know is right. So you have these two extremes, and the extreme to which God is writing in this case is the extreme where he is backed off, not the extreme where he is in the middle of the camp. And what he's writing to is the problem that we have today, in addition to the fact that you've got a clergy that is, in many cases, corrupt and cynical. You also have people who don't treat God with the respect that he is due because he's not right there. And you don't see fire falling down from the heavens when you bring in a lame sacrifice. So you sort of say, well, uh, I need to go make a sacrifice, and i got this lame goat, and I'll make it up next time. I'll do better next time. Well, of course, next time never comes because you never do do better next time. It's the mentality of the embezzler. An embezzler is some guy in a business or a bank or something like that that takes some money and they always start off saying, I just need this for a few days and I'm going to put it back. Well, a few days extends because the event that they were hoping that was going to allow them to pay it back doesn't occur. You know, the horse doesn't come in or whatever the reason that they embezzled the money. And since they didn't get caught, well, I'll just take a little more this time. And I'll pay it back next time. So they're not actually thieves in their own mind. They are simply using it temporarily, and they're always going to put it back. And that's the situation you have here in Israel. It's the mentality of the embezzler. And what they are is they're saying, well, you know, i got to do this because the rubes out in Shechem or wherever expect to see a good show when they come up to the temple but I don't really believe it. And oh, by the way, I'll be able to do it next time, or I'll be able to make it up later, or God will forgive me. What you're doing is you're throwing yourself on the mercy of God in advance, as opposed to throwing yourself on the mercy of God retroactively. So what you say is, I know the character of God. God is loving, and if I go and and, and repent and ask him to forgive me, he will. So until it gets to the point where it's really, really bad, and I'm really up against the wall, I will continue behaving this way, counting on the fact that God will forgive me. That's what this letter is all about. And in that sense, it is written to us today, because that's what we're living. Not necessarily you, but our society is living, because a lot of the Sunday church has the attitude that I have just described. Has everybody been through the type 1, type 2, and type 3 existence? And there's Hebrew names for all these, and I don't know what they are. Actually, I know the Hebrew name for the last one. Type 1 is God is physically present in the middle of the camp. And when something goes wrong, the flash to bang time is really short. It's a guy who picks up sticks and gets stoned, or Korah's Rebellion, where the earth opens up and swallows people and fire falls down from heaven. That's type 1. Type 2 is Israel in the land. And now instead of being all clustered around the tabernacle where everybody can see the fire and the cloud, 
you're now dispersed over the entire country. But the natural order in Israel responds to Israel's relationship with God. So when Israel is doing well and paying attention to God and doing the things that God says, they defeat their enemies. Their flocks don't miscarry. They get good harvests. The rains come at the right time. And as Israel falls away from doing what God would have them to do, suddenly they're up to their hips in Midianites and they got a drought and famine and a whole bunch of other stuff. So there's a really direct relationship between Israel's spiritual condition and the physical response of the land. And then type three is exile. And that's what the Hebrews call hesterpani, which means the hidden face. And there, God turns his face and hides his face from them. And there it is very easy then to attribute things that happen to chance, randomness, probability. And that's where we are. And one of the biggest industries in the world is insurance. And that's all run off of actuarial tables. It's all probabilities. And the idea there is God's face is hidden so that there is an apparent disconnect between your behavior and the consequences that you reap. And hesterpani is not good, but neither is type one where you have God in the middle of the camp. What God really wants is a type two existence where Israel is in right relation to him and he can bless them and he can protect them from their enemies, but he doesn't have to be sitting right on top of them as in, if you don't do this, fire is going to come down from heaven. So you have more space for free will to operate in a type 2. Type 3, it's all free will and we've got a mess. Type 1 is it's no free will and everybody is always sort of looking over his shoulder wondering when the next lightning bolt is going to fall. You want to be somewhere in between and that's the type 2. So anyway, I wanted to touch on Malachi before we got into the Torah portion because I think it very much speaks to us today please consider becoming a sponsor. You can sponsor us for as little as a dollar a month. Please visit crimsonthread.com purpose for an explanation of what we're doing and perhaps to become a sponsor. Thank you.